0: Well, good morning again, everybody, and welcome to Calvary on this Independence Day, July 4th. We're so glad that you're here with us. In fact, if you want to check in online, you're welcome to do that right now. Let your friends and family know that you are giving God the first part of your holiday, first part of your week. And so what a, what a powerful reminder. 1 Chronicles 7.14, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves in prayer. We as a nation need to humble ourselves Turn from wickedness and turn towards the Lord. Amen, everybody. So, happy Independence Day. On this day, 245 years ago, our founding fathers signed one of the most important and amazing documents ever composed the Declaration of Independence. Now, of course, these founding fathers were human, just like us. They weren't perfect men, uh, but their vision and their intention was to establish a free nation, free from the tyranny of Britain, free to be able to worship God in the way that they saw fit, a nation where the government works for the people, not the other way around. A nation that acknowledges that all are created equally by our creator, the creator, God himself. A nation that acknowledges that our rights of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness are divine. Those rights come from God himself, not by uh, some king or some tyrannical government. Our rights are granted to us by God himself. That's what we believe. But this kind of government system can only survive as citizens pursue God and righteousness. Do we understand that today? I hope you do. If we create our own version of truth and reject God's truth, we remove ourselves from the blessing of the Lord. And up to this point in human history, there has not been a free and godly nation that has stood the test of time. I'm talking like thousands of years. We've not seen that yet come about. That's because each generation must choose whether they are going to pursue God and his truths or pursue our own version of truth because we have somehow become enlightened and outsmarted the Lord. Each generation has to choose. Are we going to continue to be a nation that lives under God and biblical truths? Unfortunately, with each passing generation, powers of darkness have slowly began to chip away at our freedoms and our liberties here in America because many of our citizens have rejected godly principles and biblical values. Some, so many, have created their own version of of truth and morality and so the soul of our nation is eroding and the passion for god is fading here in our in our nation are we doing okay this is going to get much happier i promise all right we're kind of coming out hot and heavy but i promise it's going to get better here in just a little bit but it's very important that we are not blinded by what's going on around us we don't need to bury our heads in the sand we need to understand the times in which we are living We have enjoyed over two centuries of God's blessings. But if we continue down this path of apostasy, apostasy meaning rejecting, turning from God's truth, we will forfeit God's blessing as a nation. So we cannot bury our heads in the sand. We need to understand where we are at as a nation in our time of history. We are living in troubled times. We understand that. And in 1 Chronicles Uh, we find thousands of men and warriors who are kind of signing up to team up with David, who is about to be coronated king of Israel. These were exceptional men. And uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, you can turn there real quickly if you want, and we'll be in Matthew chapter 24 shortly after that as well. But during this list that, that we see, we are introduced to 200 leaders from the tribe of Issachar. the tribe of Issachar. And look what the scripture says about these men from Issachar. These men from Issachar were men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Men from Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Now, in the Hebrew language, this word uh, understood that we have highlighted here, the word understood uh, is bina, B-I-N-A-H. It comes from the root verb that means to separate something mentally, to differentiate its component parts. It's used to describe a situation where one has insight into a matter and acts with prudence accordingly. There is a presence of intelligence and wisdom and knowledge. This word bina, the Hebrew word bina that we get the word here understood from, carries with it the idea that you understand the facts of the matter with clarity and you know what's at stake. That's the level of men from, from Issachar that were about to team up with David. Well, in 2021 America, it's more important than ever. That we understand what's at stake. That we understand the times in which we are living. We need a biblical perspective of the world around us. Now, uh, if you're not there in Matthew 24, you can turn to Matthew 24. We're going we're gonna to be there. Uh, we're going to begin at verse 12 here in just a moment. Jesus, before he is crucified, is giving his followers and us a picture of what it's going to be like in the end times. Uh, By the way, we looked extensively at the end times last fall, so if you weren't yet a part of Calvary, uh, you can go back into our archives and you can see we did an eight-week series called Tipping Point, where we took a deep dive into what the end times are going to be all about. But Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, there's going to be pestilences and uh, earthquakes, Uh, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and nations rising up against nation, brother against brother, there's going to be betrayal, there's going to be be a massive turning away from God and turning towards sin. And look at what Jesus had to say. And because lawlessness will abound, this is Jesus talking about the end times, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then... The end will come. So Jesus says that there's going to be a lot of bad things going on here. We're going to have lawlessness. Lawlessness is going to abound. Anybody else see that happening today? I didn't think I was the only one. Lawlessness is going to be abounding. Then he says love is going to dissipate. Love will grow cold. Brothers and sisters that once had love and affection for one another... Now that love is growing cold. So there's going to be some bad stuff going on in the end times, Jesus said. We need to be aware of that. But there's going to be some good things happening too, isn't there? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached. That's pretty good news. So we got some good news. we got some bad news going on here. And uh, God does his best work in times of crisis. I really believe that. As we continue on down this road toward the end times, we are going to see simultaneously increased apostasy, increased lawlessness, but we're also going to see the kingdom of God advanced. We're going to see a mighty move of the Spirit of God all at the same time, simultaneously. And we still have a lot of work to do. At least two billion people in the world today have yet to hear about Jesus Christ. 70,000 people will die today without knowing about Jesus. That's a lot. That's That's a lot of people. There's a lot of work to be done. But there's good news too. More people have come to Jesus in the last 40 years than the previous 1980 years combined. That's pretty cool. Lawlessness is increasing at a rapid pace. But so is the spreading of the gospel of Jesus. Look at verse 12 there again. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I wonder what kind of love he's talking about. I'm interpreting this to mean that the love of other people and of God. So as we get wrapped up in our own world and our own interest, we begin to have disdain for others. A God that we once loved, brothers and sisters that we once loved, will grow cold. So here's my concern for you as pastor. Too many of us are looking at life and current events through the lens of today's culture and society and this world. And as a result, our love is growing cold. Passion that once burned hotly is, is diminishing and weighing and waning. Things that consumed the world, that are consuming the world, are now beginning to consume us. And we're forgetting that our first calling, our first love, is God. Notice Jesus said that many. He didn't say, just a, just a few of you. Just a few are going to, the, the love is going to go cold for just a, a couple of people. No, he said the love of many will grow cold. I believe he's talking to his followers. He's talking to the church here that the love of many will grow cold. Many people will just choose to walk away. "Eh, It's just not worth it anymore. I'm going to walk away from it. Now more than ever, you and I need to be in a community of believers who will help you in these wicked and lawless times. Now is not the time to isolate ourselves. In fact, in isolation, we come vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Now is the time to gather together more than ever before. Do you believe that? Okay, here's what the writer of Hebrews had to say in chapter 10, beginning with verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another along toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, you're not. You're here on, on a holiday. God bless you. You're here, as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. I didn't capitalize the word I highlighted day, but I didn't capitalize. That day is referring to the day of the return of Jesus. So what the writer of Hebrews here is saying, as we get closer and closer towards the end of times, as this earth is about to wind up, now's not the time to retreat. It's even more important as that day approaches that we gather together, that we forsake not the gathering of brothers and sisters in God's house. There is something that happens on a Sunday morning when when we gather. There's kind of a, a reset that happens on the inside of us as we begin the new week. When we gather together corporately, worshiping and lifting high the name of Jesus. Now, you know, last week was the year anniversary of us reopening our facility after having to shut down for probably uh, about three months. And we're so glad that we're, we're uh, seeing more and more people come back. And I'm grateful for the technology that we had that sustained us through that three months of not being able to gather together in person. But it is not the same as being in person, online, online is great, we're thankful for the technology, but it is not the same as being together in person. Now, if you're watching us online and you are physically unable to come, there is no condemnation. We love you, you are, you're a part of us. There's no condemnation. Thank you for being a part of us. There's, we, we understand if you're physically unable to come. However, if you are physically able to be here, you need to be here. There is nothing like gathering together in person, in a community of believers. Now, believe it or not, we have reached the half point of the year. We are now closer to Christmas than not, I don't even know where I was going with that, but we're already past halfway to Christmas, okay? But in the wintertime, I like, um, e- even here in the office, I've got a little TV in the office, uh, even here in the office, uh, but sometimes even at the house, I'll put on like this little virtual fireplace. Anybody else does that? Okay. Now imagine that this is animated and coming alive and crackling and you can, you can hear it and watch it, okay? I love watching uh, a fireplace on my screen. But can I tell you, I can hear the fireplace, I can see the fireplace, but I cannot feel the warmth from the fireplace on the TV screen. (laughs) It's the same with us watching church on TV. So thankful that we have it, by the way. Again, I'm not condemning those of you who are physically unable to join us. But it is not the same as watching church on TV. We can watch the service. We can listen and hear what's going on at the service. But we cannot feel the warmth of the brothers and sisters who are coming together. We cannot feel the moving of the Holy Spirit that's happening right here in this room. It does not translate through the TV screen. Isn't that a good looking fireplace, by the way? I spent 20 minutes trying to find the the perfect fireplace for that. Online church is a great option, but it should not be your first option. Being and meeting in person is God's intention for his people. And this last 16 months has really taken its toll on everybody. I mean, people were already stressed out, weren't we? But this last 16 months, we are now drained more than ever. We're drained physically and emotionally and relationally. We've been overloaded now. we've We've had sensory overload and cable news overload and political overload and content overload and life in general overload. So being part of a community of believers, being a part of a church is more important than ever. There is a refueling, a refilling that happens when you're in person that just cannot be replicated through a screen. In these end times, as the day, the coming of the Lord, that day approaches, let's be found regular in God's house. And everybody in the room said, amen. "Amen." I'm so proud of you for being here. There's a big amen back there. God bless you, young person. Okay, so Luke chapter 21 is a parallel passage to Matthew chapter 24. It has the same events that Jesus uh, was talking about. Uh, It just has separate and complementing details about those end times events. And like in Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, Jesus is telling his followers about the signs of the times, what it's going to be like in the end times, Uh, wars and pestilences, uh, earthquakes, famines, all of that stuff. And he provides some different details as well. Look at what Jesus adds to his followers here in Luke's account Of of that speech. Now, when these things begin to happen, all those things that we talked about before, earthquakes, disasters, wars, famines, all of that, when all that stuff begins to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Your translation might say draws nigh. Lift up your heads, look up, Because your redemption draws near. Jesus said, when you see all of this craziness happening in the world, stress out. Freak out. (laughs) It's getting crazy out there. No, he said, look up. You don't have to lose your mind. Look up, lift up your heads. Redemption is drawing near. So here's what Satan wants to do he wants to keep us from lifting our heads. He wants to keep us from looking up. He wants us to look down. He wants, to, wants us to look around. He wants us to keep, he wants to keep us distracted from really leaning into our relationship with the Lord. So he does all of these things to keep us distracted from what's most important, our relationship with Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, don't fall for that. When you see all of that happening, Lift your gaze. Your redemption draws near. Understand the times. See things from a heavenly perspective. Church, can I tell you this morning, we need to be looking up. In fact, someone next to you needs to hear that. So just tell them right now. Hey, neighbor, look up. Just tell them right now. Look up. I know there's a lot of bad things going on out there, but we have hope Come on, Living Hope, love that song. We have a living hope through Jesus Christ. And so I want to give you two things real quickly this morning that we can be excited about, even in the midst of a nation that seems to be rejecting the truths of God. So, number one, we can be excited, we can look up, because we are going to heaven. I thought I'd get a good amen on that. We are going to heaven. Heaven's our destination. Heaven is our home. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are following him every day, you have a first-class ticket to heaven. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Now, recently, I have been a part of some uh, memorial services, some celebration services, some funeral services, uh, oh, several over the past few weeks, actually. And every time I go to that memorial service, to that funeral I'm reminded that of my mortality, just to be quite frankly, but to be quite frank. I'm reminded of my mortality, but I'm also reminded that this earth is not my home. And so what's encouraging, especially when the one who is deceased is a believer, it's encouraging and comforting to the family to know that when they lay their family member down to rest, it is not the end. It is not a final goodbye. It's just a temporary see you later. In fact, compared to the grand scheme, the grand timeline of eternity, the time that you are separated from your loved one is so brief. It's like the bat of an eye. It's like the blink of an eye. Soon you are going to be reunited with your loved one. Even better, you're going to be united with Jesus in heaven. This earth is not my home. Heaven is our home. Too many have put too much thought and effort into their lives here on earth. As if earth is what it's all about. As if our time here in the world is the end all be all. Well, we can lift our heads. We can be excited today. We can be hopeful today because of heaven. If you can, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to be in chapter 4, and then in a minute we'll be in chapter 5. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So what Paul is saying right there is that You don't have to mourn and grieve the loss of your loved one like those who have no hope. Why do we have hope? Because we know our loved one is in the presence of Jesus. Now, if they didn't follow Jesus, your grieving is going to look a lot different than your grieving of a family member who had a relationship with Jesus. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him... According to the Lord's word, we tell you that those who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What Paul is doing here is he's writing to the church at Thessalonica. He's encouraging them. He's giving details on what it's going to be like when the Lord comes down. We, We call this the rapture. When Jesus descends and catches up, snatches up his children. And he wanted the Thessalonians to be encouraged. Word had gotten out, rumors were swirling that Jesus had come back and they had missed it. And so Paul was writing to them to remind them, hey, you're cool, you're still in, you didn't miss it, the time hasn't come yet, so encourage one another. You're going to be on the first elevator up to heaven. Jesus is taking us to heaven. When I think about heaven, I think of a place with no more pain. No more suffering. Fouts, if you're watching, no more leukemia. No more cancer. No more COVID. No more disease. No more cancel culture. No more traffic on 270. No more bills. Can you imagine a place where the Krispy Kreme light is on all the time at the donut shop? A place of unlimited diet, Dr. Pepper. I'm telling you, it's gonna be awesome. Heaven is so much better than any of us can ever think or imagine. And during these times, when it's easy to get discouraged, some of you have had a hard week, a hard month, a hard decade for some of you. It's easy to get discouraged. But please remember, this earth is not your final destination. You are going to a place far beyond your wildest dreams. So whether you go by death or by rapture, our home is heaven. Walkersville, Frederick, Middletown, Urbana, Hagerstown, that is not our home. Heaven is our home. Some glad morning, when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. I'm looking forward to that day. Now, let's check out what John had to say in Revelation. You can keep your finger in 1 Thessalonians. We'll come back to chapter 5 here in just a moment. John the Revelator, in his book of Revelation, said in chapter 21, verse 4 and 5, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I like how he just kind of tagged that on at the end. Jesus said to John, Hey, take it to the bank, make sure you write this down. There is coming a day. It's going to be amazing. So lift your eyes. Your redemption draws near. Now, Jesus did tell us that we can expect some trials, some tests, some tribulation along the way. He said you can expect some persecution. But keep looking through a heavenly perspective. This same writer of John wrote in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses one through four, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. The KJV, King James Version says, many mansions. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus said, stay encouraged. I know life has some challenges. I know you might face some hard times. You might be rejected by some family members, some some friends. I know life is going to have some disappointments. You may even face persecution, but look up. I'm coming back for you, and we together are going to heaven. Now, notice that Jesus never promised us a better now. He never promised us a better now, but he did promise us a better place. Let that encourage you today. He didn't promise us a better now, but he did promise us a better place. Sometimes we may experience a better now. You know, I hope that you have a a nice life, you know, with good things. That'd be great. But he never promised that this life was going to be easy street. However, he did promise us a better place, a place that is custom made just for you. If we could live with this perspective as we go through our lives, we'd walk in so much more life and joy and peace, wouldn't we? We wouldn't be as heavy laden with burdens if we could live with this perspective. I just love songs about heaven. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. That's a good song, Andre Crouch. I love the songs that we sing today too. Most of the songs that we sing today are not necessarily about heaven. They are powerful too. I think we, need, we just need to be careful that we not just sing songs about how hard life is, and how we need God to come and make our situations and our circumstances better. Lord, will you please come and rescue me so I can have a carefree life with smooth sailing. We need to be careful that we're not just singing those kinds of songs too. <laughs> you know, my parents, my grandparents, perhaps your parents and grandparents, they had a pretty hard life. Candidly, quite, quite harder than, than what most of us are, are facing. But they encouraged themselves. Not by binge-watching Netflix, (laughs) not by being on their smartphone, watching their smart TV, driving their smart cars, whatever it might be, but by singing songs of encouragement and songs about heaven. In fact, heaven is our blessed hope. How beautiful heaven must be. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. In that bright land where we'll never grow old, and someday yonder we'll never more wander, but walk on streets that are of purest gold. Look up, because we are going to heaven. Secondly, and this will go a lot faster, I promise, we are not destined to suffer God's wrath. You're not destined, as believers, as followers of Jesus, you are not destined to suffer the wrath of God. As we are nearing the end times, things on the earth, they're going to get increasingly worse, increasing decay and decline. But Jesus, we just read about it, he's going to snatch us up out of here in the rapture, and then the tribulation will commence. We believe that we are going to be caught up before The tribulation commences. We have many scriptures to show you. I did a whole sermon on that last fall, actually. In fact, last year, we spent two Sundays on talking about the tribulation. The tribulation is a seven-year period of time that's going to be like an apocalyptic movie. I'm telling you, it's going to be crazy. In fact, uh, Revelation tells us that there's going to be three sets of seven judgments You'll remember we spent two weeks talking about the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. And each one gets increasingly worse and worse and more severe. It's going to be more and more intense. Billions, with a B, of people will perish during that seven-year tribulation time. There will be worldwide famine. There will be wars. There will be economic collapse. There will be murders like you've never seen before. There will be natural disasters unleashed as of the likes that the world has never seen. It will literally be hell on earth. The wrath of God is coming. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress The truth by their wickedness. Again, let me ask you do you see any of this going on today? Suppression of truth in our world. It is happening. But God will not allow it to go unpunished. He will not allow, allow wickedness to go unpunished. His wrath is coming. That's the bad news. If you are left here on this earth, you are going to, if you survive, you're going to have the worst seven years you can ever imagine. The good news, however, is that as followers of Jesus, we are not destined to suffer the wrath of God. In fact, we are going to be celebrating with Jesus in heaven. Look at this uh, other passage in Romans, chapter 5, verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood... Talking about Jesus, of course. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Yes. Paul said, you don't have to worry about it. You're going to be saved from the coming wrath of God. Why? Because of what Jesus did. He shed his blood. He gave his life on the cross. So God has made a covenant with us thanks to the shed blood of his son. And so we now have been exempted from the wrath of God. In fact, if we were to go through the judgment, if we were to go through God's wrath, he would be going back on his word that we just read here. We are saved from God's wrath. Now, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I promise we're almost done beginning with verse one. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, These are, you know, things are gonna seem good to most people. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Now, I have been present for the birth of our four children, and I can tell you, I know when the labor is going to happen. I don't know the exact time. I don't know the exact day or the exact moments. But I can tell when those contractions start getting closer and closer. I can tell that when, when mama's having those birth pains, it's getting close, right? So as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer. There it is again. We're gonna be out of here. He's gonna snatch us up. He did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Paul said, stay encouraged. Keep your chin up. Lift your heads. Wrath is coming, it's true, but you aren't going to have to suffer the wrath of God. In fact, you're going to be with Jesus in heaven. Here's another way to put it. For those who know God... This is as bad as it gets. It only gets better. This world, your time here on this earth, as bad as it might get, in heaven, it gets way better. However, for those who don't know God, this is as good as it gets it only gets worse. If you don't accept Jesus and live for him, this life here on this earth is as good as it gets. As real as heaven is, hell is just as real a place. So if you want to escape the coming wrath of God, give your life to Jesus. Follow him. The sons of Issachar Knew their times. They walked with wisdom. They knew how to counsel David and and the country, Israel. They had wisdom on how to navigate through the challenging times. Today, 2021, we need to understand the times. We know the times. We can see that things are getting worse every day. But even through all of that, we can still live encouraged. Look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. And look, nothing here on earth, no thing, no person can keep us from the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. And all the hope-filled people said a big amen. Amen. Hey, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Thank you for your patience today as I went a little long. I wanted to give you some hope here today. But with heads bowed, with eyes closed, I just want to give you a moment to respond. Maybe you've been living with an earthly perspective. Life hasn't seemed so great. You've had a a tough week, perhaps. You've been distracted over the last 16 months, perhaps. and It's kept you from looking up. I want you to take just a moment and remind yourself of the hope that we have in Jesus. Come on, remind yourself right now. The hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, give us knowledge. Give us understanding that we may know the times in which we are living. Lord, we recognize that we are living in a world that is increasingly rejecting your truth. The distinction between right and wrong is broadening. We we are seeing so many people reject your truth, thumbing their nose at you and rejecting biblical values and morals. Lord, Lord, we also see that many people are, are coming to know you as well. Lord, we fully expect a mighty move of God to sweep across our land and across this world. So Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom. You would give us understanding. That we would walk with the knowledge that heaven is our home. That we would walk with the assurance that we are not destined to suffer the wrath of God. And if you're here in this room today and you're not sure if, if you are destined to suffer God's wrath or not, you're not sure that if your life were to end today, whether you would spend eternity with Jesus in heaven or you'd spend it eternally separated from him in a place called hell. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. No one's looking around, but would you do me a favor Raise your hand if you're like, hey, pastor, I want to know that I'm on my way to heaven. I want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If that's you here today, no one's looking around. Just lift your hand and hold it there for a moment. Thank you. Yes, praise God. Yes, another hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. No one's looking around all you have to do in fact I think we should all say this prayer it's good to say this prayer every once in a while in fact I say it almost every day so I'm just going to invite all of us to out loud say this prayer together everybody just say this dear Jesus thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and rising again I recognize I'm a sinner I recognize that I'm not right with you And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of doing it my own way. Right now, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. Would you come into my life? And from this day forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we can open our eyes and let's stand together all across this room. If you said that prayer for the first time or maybe you recommitted your life to Jesus as the prayer team comes forward, would you let one of them know? Or you can also grab a connection card in the seat pocket in front of you. You can fill that out saying, hey, I made a commitment to follow Jesus or a recommitment to follow Jesus. Hey, listen, you are not destined to wrath. This message was not meant to discourage you but to encourage you. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, if you are living for him, your eternal home is heaven. This world is as bad as it gets. It only gets better from here. Amen, everybody. In that good news? Hey, Pastor J and the team, let's lift our voice and sing forever. Let's sing forever. He-